Hey everyone, Michael here from the Attempt Adventure Podcast. This is an adventure special episode. I recently went on a real adventure, joined by fellow adventurer and content creator Carl from the YouTube channel Carl's Thailand. After we introduce the episode, we are going to start out with a 20-minute conversation between me and Carl so that you guys can get to know him a little bit better. And then we will go into the adventure special in which I tell my co-host, James, all about the adventure that I went on. This episode is a bit different from stuff that we've done before, but I really hope that you enjoy it. So, without further ado, here we go. Season 3, Episode 1 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do with your YouTube channel. Sure, my name's Carl. I've been coming to Thailand now for 36 years. My first visit was 1987 and I always kind of like took an adventurous approach to uh, to yeah. Thailand. You know, I was, I was always kind of like, you know what we say in England, itchy feet. You know, I was always travelling. I do enjoy all the tourist destinations in Bangkok. In fact, I live... Uh, in Thailand. In fact, I live in one now, but I, you know, I always wanted to look around and see things. So I first moved out to Thailand. I've lived here several times. I first moved out here in the late 80s, early 90s. And that was when I really started traveling. Uh, where, you know, wherever I got any money together myself and some of my friends would kind of just jump on, uh, on cheap buses heading north or northeast. And we just jump off where we felt like it and, and things that, you know, you think these are, things are so different back then, you know, all you had was, were, were books, you know, there was no internet. And, and that was it, just found some wonderful places, fell in love with the place. And then comparatively recently, you know, about two, two and a half years ago, uh, a friend of mine who'd been saying it to me for years, you know, a friend of mine called Brian said, Carl, well, you know, like, why don't you do a YouTube channel? Why don't you do a YouTube yeah. channel? And, you know, I didn't really follow any Thailand YouTubers back then. You know, I was aware of them. And I think some of the ones I'd seen, it had just been kind of like, my, the image I had of it was just kind of people going to breakfast and letting cameras in on their domestic life. And it, right. it just didn't, it, it didn't appeal to me, you know, so I kind of put it back. And, then, you know, it was only when I talked to my friends in the morning, said, well, you know, like, do one about what you like doing. So I did that and, and kind of loved it. And it, and it had a kind of double benefit because it allowed me to sort of show people some of the places I'd, I'd found. And it also provided, you know, like a, a kind of motivation for me to head out and find more such places. There's so much more than just Bangkok and Pattaya and Chiang Mai. There's so much more to see. Oh, there is. There is. There is, Mike. You know, I mean, having said that, you know, I can understand that if people have just got a few weeks holiday. Sure, yeah. You, you know, there's a, you do you do want to see some of these major tourists. But, but there are plenty of people who come here every year or live here or, or even retired here and they, they've got the time and, uh, and the other resources to go and do this kind of thing, you know. So uh, that was it, really. I just, I just want to present it, just show people a bit more of Thailand. Yeah, well, that's how I met you. I, w I found your YouTube channel. I found some of your adventures, and I'm like, wow, this stuff is really cool. These places are amazing, and they're definitely off the beaten trail. And you remain the only person I've ever met who's actually seen a tiger in Thailand, and uh, I will definitely link to, <laughs> twice to that video. Twice, I've seen the wild tiger twice. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It's, <laughs> it's funny, actually. I'm really quite proud of that. You know yeah. I mean? I was... I, 
you know, at the time I was just excited because it was sure. something I'd wanted to do to sort of see one. But now looking back, I'm really kind of proud because I didn't, I knew it was a kind of rare privilege, but it's only sort of now that time has moved on and, uh, you know, and uh, that I really kind of appreciate how rare that experience yeah. was here in Thailand. Oh, it was in 1990, I got a job as a tour guide in Khao Yai National Park, which is probably the most famous national park in Thailand. Now, going back then over 30 years ago, they still had wild tigers, you know, they, they, they weren't mm. common and they, were, they tended to stick to sort of quieter parts of the corners of the national park, you know, that weren't so frequented by members of the public. But, you know, they had, they had tigers there back then. And I, you know, of course, as soon as I, as I got the job as a tour guide there, you know, it was, it was just a very kind of like loose thing. It was myself and a Thai guy and a, a, another friend of mine from England and it, and it was just you know the, the, he would uh, we lived in a town called Park Chong which is probably the nearest big town to Khao Yai National Park and we'd advertise in Bangkok and places and we'd get tourists we'd meet tourists coming off the train and off the buses into, into Park Chong and we'd, we'd organise these little weekend tours where we'd take them up to uh, Khao Yai in a pickup truck we'd take them to see bats flying out from the cave in the evening. Then we take them on something called night safari, which is when you're driving through the national park with spotlights and just spotlighting animals, you know, looking for their eye shine, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'd see things like elephants and, uh, you know, it was all very good, but I really wanted to see a tiger. And I, you know, I got to know some of the rangers there and they all told me the same thing. They said, well, you know, yes, you want to see a tiger, you know, you've got to really sort of go a bit deeper. You've got to go into, uh, there were two places I kept naming. One was called uh, Kaolam and, uh, and the other place was called Klongi Tao. Now, as it happens, I was familiar with Klongi Tao. You know, it was somewhere I used to go. I used to take tourists sometimes and quite often, even when I wasn't working, I'd go into the National Park because I just enjoyed it. And I wanted to see a tiger. So I'd, I'd go up to this Klongi Tao ranger station. I got to know some of the rangers. And I noticed that, you know, like if, officially you, no tourists were allowed to spend the night right. in, these, in these secluded ranger stations. You know, you'd have to be at the campsites and places like that near, that, near the HQ. But, I, you know, I learned that, that they got to know me and quite often they'd say, hey, Carl, just, just spend the night here. And the real advantage of that was that if you were to have any chance of seeing something interesting, it would most likely be very early in the morning, which would make it impractical to hike deep into the jungle and hike out. You know, you couldn't do it on one day. You needed to spend the night there. Anyway, go on. I probably worked there for, I don't think it was just over a year. And one day we had three tourists from New Zealand. They said, you know, they wanted us to kind of like do a, a special tour for them, you know. They said they, they, their main purpose was they wanted to see a tiger. And so straight away, I just said, well, look, you know, like, I hate to kind of uh, disappoint you. I said, you know, but I've worked here a year already and I haven't seen one. And and I've known rangers who've worked here for a few years and they've never seen one. But I said, having said that, I've been told that there's one place where I know the rangers where they do still see tigers from time to time. If you like, I said, I'll take you there. And I think there's a fair chance... I might be able to persuade them to let us stay overnight, you know, where we might be in with the chance of seeing something. So I said, yeah, 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 sure, we'll, we'll go with that. 
So we went to the market in Pak, Pak Chong and I told them, you know, we bought some meat, some fresh pork because the, the guys, the rangers only get two days off a, a month. And when they get them two days off, they go into Pak Chong and they, you know, they, uh, they buy supplies and, but of course all their fresh meat in the jungle, I mean, they've eaten it and it, they, they have right. to eat it quickly. It's off within a few days. And then after that, they're doing things like you know, catching frogs and fish. Wow. themselves you know just to wow. just to kind of keep themselves i knew it was like you know it was getting towards the end of the month there they had a day off in a while so i knew that if we took them some fresh pork some chicken and most importantly some of the local moonshine whiskey you know mm. the uh lao Kao, if we took that to them they'd be very pleased to see us right <laughs> and, uh, and of course I, I timed it you know i timed it deliberately so that we hiked in getting towards late afternoon we got there about 4, 4.30. And, and over here, you know, as you know, the sun goes down. It's always sometime between 6 yeah. and 7 p.m. So we got there. We we, we arrived there and, uh, you know, I started chatting to them. And then I pulled out this pork. And uh, I said, oh, thank you very much. They're really grateful. Pulled out the chicken. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they were very happy. And then I pulled out the first of these bottles of the moonshine whiskey. And just <laughs> straight away, without oh. hesitation, one of them said, it's getting late. <laughs> you, I don't think you'll have enough time to hike back out before it gets dark, you know. You yeah. better stay here tonight. So it kind of like, it, the plan worked to perfection, but it, it, was a, it was a win-win, you know. They, they were yeah. very happy for the company. So that night, you know, we just polished off this whiskey and, uh, you know, we got very drunk. And we slept on the veranda of the, of the ranger's hut. Now, this hut is in a big grass, big cut-out grass area deep in the jungle. And we, we spent the night on the veranda there. We had a couple of blankets. It was the cool season, and it's very high up, so it gets very cold anyway. And in the morning, there was a little bit of a mist, and I kind of opened my eyes a bit, and I was hung over. And I could see Chert, the head ranger, looking over the balcony at something. And he, he noticed that I was sort of moving, and he, he turned around to me in time, and he said, I think there's a tiger coming. And I said, what makes you say that? He said, listen, something's bothering the deer. You know, and the deer were uh, come out to graze on the grass at the edge of this grassland area in the morning. You know, they were kind of like something that they picked up the scent or something and they were barking to each other like, oh, 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 like that. And he said, you want to go and look? And I just sort of, I said, well, yeah, you know, let's do it. Let's go and look. And so I, I shook the, the tourist near to me and said, Hey, look, Church said there might be a tiger coming. We're going to go and have a look. Are you coming? And he was obviously hung over too, but he just sort of looked at me and he just said, you won't see a tiger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, okay, well, look, you know, like, you know, me and Church are going to go and have a look. And I remember going down the stairs of the veranda, putting on my boots, which had condensation on them, you know, because it was got yeah. very cool overnight. And we started walking across uh, this grassland area to, to where the deer were grazing, you know, where the deer were barking. And we got probably about 150 metres and, and Chert said to me, I think there's a tiger coming, yeah. Mm. And I said, well, what, why? What, what makes you say? He said, listen. And then he goes, yes, yeah. Yeah, he's a tiger. And he said, very different. I said, and he said, I can hear it. He said, listen. And I, I was listening and I, I was trying to pick out the sound of this tiger. I just couldn't, you know, like all I could hear, I could hear the bit, the deer barking very clearly. I, you know, I was listening for the wrong kind of sound, you know, that it was just occasionally in the distance. It was, you know, we, we still couldn't see it at that time. It was still, 
But you, you just you hear the deer barking clear, and then you just hear like a oh, like that. So, you know, once every ten, fifteen seconds, something like that, and then. All of a sudden, church just sort of said, yes, there it is, there it is, see it. And I'm kind of like, oh, look, I said, where, where? I couldn't see it. And he said, look, look, look. And church getting quite worried that I might miss it. I might miss it. I'm getting worried because I might miss it. I thought, I yeah. wasted all this time and I can't see it. But anyway, eventually, it walked in front of a very kind of a, a shrub. It was walking in quite long grass, but it walked in front of this dark colour shrub and it was silhouetted. So I spotted it, you know, and once I spotted it, you know, that was it. It was very easy to follow. And it was just fantastic, Mike. Oh. It, it was a, you know, it was a large tiger. If I you sort of set the scene, it's probably somewhere between 6.30, 7 in the morning. Still quite cool. A, a bit of mist coming up from the grass. And there's this tiger just casually strolling around the grass end there, quite near to the tree line, you know, you know probably about 50 yeah, yards yeah. off from the tree line. And we, we just watched it and followed it around. We kept pretty still to where we might have moved a little bit and I had my camera with me so you know I, I managed to take off some pictures you know which I was really pleased about and it was one of those situations where circumstance just goes with you we're talking back in the days of film I used to use slide film and for the first time ever I'd bought like 400 speed slide film you know which you can use in lower light no, normally I'd just use 100 or sometimes I'd use like Kodachrome 64 or something so it was just you know, it was just pot luck that I just had the yeah. right film at that time, you know. Wow. So I took the pictures, you know, which looking back on them, you know, at the time I thought they were going to be like National Geographic. You can see what it is, and I'm, I'm proud of them because they're the only pictures I've ever seen of a wild tiger in Thailand that somebody's yeah. actually taken, you know. It hasn't actually been, it hasn't been camera trapped, you know. Yeah, so we watched it, we watched it for a good 10 minutes, incredible experience uh, we got about as close as about 50 metres to it two highlights I remember one time it just turned and looked at me it looked straight at me and I took a picture just as he was looking at me and he just looked the other way <laughs> wasn't interested the other thing I really remember was when it got very close to the deer that were barking they didn't run off they knew like we did it wasn't hunting you know if it was hunting we wouldn't have seen it and one of these deer when it got past him, one of these deer actually followed about 30, 50 metres behind the tiger. Unbelievable to see wow, the deer yeah. following a yeah. tiger. It was like a deer stalking a tiger. What it would do, it would take a few steps and it would stretch up, stretch up his neck and stretch up on its front legs and bark to the other. It was just like keeping an eye on it, letting the others know where it was. You know? You're going to link the video. The, the, oh, the yeah. video. The video has got has got the photographs of it, and I'll tell the other story. So uh, that's incredible. I mean, that's the kind of things that you have on your uh, on your YouTube channel as well that I think makes it so interesting because it's these stories, it's these places that are not the normal places, and it's you know it's that effort that you go to. And one thing I really learned and appreciated when we were on our adventure is just how much effort it takes to make your videos, uh, setting up the cameras and, and moving them around and using the drone. And I think that's really cool. And, and so definitely all of our listeners go check out the channel because it is definitely quality and very cool adventures. And I hope that our adventure will look just as good on the video. Thanks very much, Michael. I'm, yeah. I'm editing. I'm, not, I'm in the process of editing the first part of it okay, now. Okay. You know, I've been I've been thinking how to do it, but what I think what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to put out next. I'm going to put in one video, you know, the two places right. that we went to, we visited before we went on the major hike. Then I'll do the major hike, and okay. then I'll do the second hike we did that turned into Perfect. an adventure all of itself. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're so proud of ourselves, and then 
got detained. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell you what, that was the. Uh, it was just incredible, wasn't it, that day? The way everything oh, kind of like. What I mean, mean, looking back now, I, I laugh my head off about it. But oh, I'll I tell know. you what. That just, I mean, that wasn't the end of it, was it? Even after we got detained or, oh. you know, I don't know if we were detained. I suppose we were detained, ah, though, <laughs> rather than arrested. But <laughs> well, very friendly people who drove us to Seven Eleven. I think they realised, like, yeah. you know, I, you know, yeah. I think they realised that, that, you know, we were just kind of like totally innocent and <laughs> two idiots who got, yeah, <laughs> who didn't see the sign or there was no sign. Anyway, what a story. But, I mean, that's the thing, right? All these adventures come from these great stories. What is the most difficult adventure or the most challenging adventure you've been on in Thailand? I will say, for me, the first 40 minutes of our big hike was definitely my most challenging adventure, as you could definitely attest to that. I was struggling. I was worried, Mike. (laughs) I was was worried, you know, because, like, it was... (laughs) It was a long journey just to get there, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, it was. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, started, we, we started up that hike, and, you know, but I did know, you know, because I've done it before, I've done it, uh, I've done it a couple of times before, you know, because I, I did know that that start really was, it really was a baptism of fire. So I did sort of have a bit of optimism that you'd, you'd have a chance to get your second win. But yeah, you had me worried for a while there, but you well, were... You were fantastic afterwards. It turned around. I mean, you were you were encouraging me, and knowing that that first part was the hardest made a big difference. I think. Uh, to get back yeah. to your question, I mean, yeah, physically, that you know, that was very hard. What was my hardest adventure? You know, it's kind of difficult to say because you know the, the, they can be hard in different ways. I oh, think yeah. probably the most ambitious one I've done was about getting on for five years ago now. With a good friend of mine, what I did was I hiked in the most remote part of Thailand. I hiked from a town called San Kratmuri in Kanjanaburi province, almost to Umpang, which is, from, it might be Kampang Pet province, mm. I think it's in. Anyway, it's like 116 kilometers through jungle that we did over oh, yeah. a week. And this is, you know, like, you just drift over into Burma and then back in. It was right on the border, you know, it was like, there was no... <laughs> Nobody cared. Very remote. It was all like wildlife sanctuaries. There were no roads there. So to, to give you an example of how remote this hike was, we left my car at St. Latbury. We did the hike 116 kilometers. And then in order to get back to my car, it was a journey of, I can't remember if it was six or maybe even 800 kilometers because we wow. had to circumnavigate the whole kind of jungle preserve area. You know, these wildlife reserves yeah. and national parks. We had to circumnavigate and there were no roads. On public transport, it took us three nights <laughs> to get back to my car, you know. <laughs> and it took right. a hike to the wall. And that was, uh, I really enjoyed it. I probably would have enjoyed it for a lot more if it wasn't for one thing. And that one thing was that we'd done it at the beginning of the rainy season. And the rains did kind of hit hard. So mm. basically, we spent a week just never being totally dry. You know, we were always, if it wasn't raining, we were damp and humid with our own sweat. We'd get somewhere where we were going to spend the night, you know, maybe we'd be spending the night in the forest. Usually it was in uh, Karen villages. We had a a Karen tribesman who we'd hired as a guide. 
we felt that was necessary. So it was just the three of us. Yeah. And quite often, usually we'd spend the night in Karen tribes, people, villages. But some nights we spent in the jungle where you'd get to where you were going that day because you were hot and sweaty and you'd find a stream, you'd have a shower in it and you'd wash your clothes and you'd put them out. And even though it was hot, they would never mm. dry. You know, you'd wash your clothes, but they were just wet. <laughs> so it was just, yeah. My backside, I remember one night we spent in Burma, in, in a village in Burma, my backside was red, raw, you know, from all the walking on the wet trousers. And, and I just yeah. remember going down to a stream to have a shower. We just walked down there in our, in our undergarments. Down <laughs> to this stream. And I... And all of a sudden, these sort of young women, young Burmese women. Oh, no. We, I, it was the last thing on earth they expected to see. You know? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, nobody knew we were coming. And uh, and my friend was uh, like having a laugh about me saying, uh, you know, they probably think that we've all got red backsides. <laughs> like <laughs> right, right. Or something. That was probably the, the toughest one or definitely the longest one. I'd, I'd do it again, but yeah, you know, but in the cool season. <laughs> And it's very much a process of discovery for me too, Michael. You know, I mean, I still, there are places that, are, you know, I've been going to for years and I still find new locations, you know, places right. that really blow my mind. You know, like, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, I found a place. This place just blew my mind, you know, it's just this it, 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 incredible history. It's on a little mountain above a temple in a nice rural part of Thailand. And it was this sect, like this cult, mm. built this incredible, I don't know what you'd call it, you know, like, almost like a shrines on top of this mountain, you know, d- to different religions, to Christianity, there was Ganeshi one, Hinduism and Buddhism. It, it, and they've got these statues that look like uh, Christ the Redeemer in Brazil, you know, in Rio de Janeiro. But it's in oh. Thailand. And they've got wow. like three or four of these on top of this hillside. They're absolutely spectacular place, and it was deserted. The, the story, which another friend of mine researched, you know, and, uh, and made a video of the story of the place, is incredible in itself. You know, this sect leader who was supposed to have met with the Dalai Lama, he was sentenced to death in Thailand. He didn't get executed, but the sect was kind of disbanded. Wow. And this place was deserted. But you can still go there. You know, there's still stairs up the side of this mountain. And, you know, and it just blows me away. I met somebody last month from that place, the nearest big town from there. You know, he can't live any more than 10 miles, you know, 15, 16 kilometers from this place. And he didn't know about it. You know, it's still a process of discovery. discovery, You know, there's so so many parts of Thailand that really aren't frequented. They are off the tourist map. And, uh, you know, and, and you know what the, you know, the Buddhist religion is like. They love finding these kind of naturally spectacular places. Sure, yeah. And using them for places of worship, you know. So, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the best places I know in Thailand are actually there because they're functional temples or shrines, you know, or they're used by monks, you know. And some of the things that they that they do and they build are just remarkable, and especially so when you consider that, you know, all of these places have been built with contributions, be it labour or money, from the local community. It really is fantastic. You know, I probably say I I probably uh, owe the Buddhists more than anything. You know, all the places I go... Hiking, well, I suppose, you know, yeah, number one, you've got to say thank you to Mother Nature. But a sure, lot of the yeah. places I go are there because of the, you know, the Buddhist monks. Right. So uh, I hope that our 
listeners will uh, enjoy the recordings that I have, the special episode that I have about it. Hope they'll enjoy the video. Uh, and definitely, everyone listening, do watch the video. As they say, a picture paints a thousand words, and a video is so much more than that. So I'm really looking forward to getting it all edited and putting it out. On it, and it will be happening pretty soon. So it might be pretty well-timed with your, uh, your yeah. new series. I can't wait to see it. Well, thank you so much, Carl, for meeting with me today as sort of this sort of intro to the episode. And yeah, I will put links to all of that in the show notes, all of your, your channel and your video. But uh, why don't you just tell us where can people find you online? If they're looking for your channel, if they're looking for you, where can they find you? YouTube, it's Carl's Thailand, K-A-R-L, Carl with a K. Carl's Thailand, uh, Facebook, Carl's Thailand. Also, I've got a website called meetmeinthailand.com. It's called Meet Me in Thailand. So if anybody, anybody, you know, is interested in going on a hike with me or something, got some ideas, you know, I might, I might be interested in doing that. So, yeah, those are the three places, really. All right, and we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Thank you for the adventure. My pleasure. All right, take care, Carl. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out adventurous ways to make your life a little more interesting. From Dallas, Texas, I'm your host, James Barrett, joined as always by my co-host, Michael DeRosiers in Bangkok, Thailand. James, we are back for a brand new season. We are. And to launch Season 3, we're doing something that we've never done before an adventure special. So this is not a typical episode. This is not an episode where James and I talk about adventure. This is not an interview. This is an episode where I brought my microphone with me on an adventure, and we're bringing you guys along with us today. So this week, James, I just got back from an adventure, a real adventure. I joined Carl from the Carl's Thailand YouTube channel, and we went up north together to make some content for his channel and for our podcast. So Carl has been living in Thailand for about 30 years, and he's been to some really extreme places in Thailand, places I never even knew about. That's how I found his channel. I was searching for you know camping in Thailand, hiking in Thailand, things like that. And he makes these really cool videos from pretty extreme places in the country. So I got in touch with him, and I was like, you know, hey, Carl, I would love to join you on one of your adventures. Maybe we can plan something together. And he was like, well, where do you want to go? And I said, you know what? You tell me. You're the expert. Two requirements. Number one, I want it to be a real adventure. And number two, I'd love to do something you've never done before. And that's how it started. We, we kind of talked a little bit over the next week. And so I, I rented a car, and it was going to arrive Monday morning. And we were going to be gone Monday to Friday. Our plan was to trek up Pukredung, which is a mountain in Loi province. It's a national park one of the really great national parks in Thailand. So our plan was to drive there, trek up, camp a few days at the top, and then come back down. Pukredung is not new for Carl. This was actually his third time to do the trek. What was new was that we were going to go up the standard route, and then we were going to come down kind of a, a secret route on the back of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And he was going to try to make some new content doing that. So that was the original plan. The plan changed. I'll tell you this, the plan changed. But that was the plan <laughs> at the beginning. We set out Monday morning. You know, we we left early to avoid the traffic, and we drove across the Thai countryside until we came to this really neat temple. One thing I would like to 
emphasize is that Carl filmed everything, and there are going to be a series of videos on his YouTube channel, Carl's Thailand. So after I'm talking, guys, go ahead and go over to YouTube, like and subscribe, and check out the videos, because some of this, I think, is probably easier to see in more of a uh, visual format. Monday, 1.38 p.m. We have been on the road since about 7.30. Kind of had a rocky start with the rental car, but everything worked out. We got the car just on time. We are way up north now, northeast, and we are at a temple, this huge statue of a five-headed Buddha. Beautiful, amazing views. Uh, of course, you can always check the videos. We'll put links to those as well. But uh, we're going to explore the temple a little bit and then hit the road again. So our first stop was this really cool temple up in the countryside, up in the mountains. And there's this really cool uh, five-headed Buddha statue. And already, even though it was just our first day, we weren't all that far north yet, the air was already starting to feel significantly cooler and drier than it was in Bangkok. It's kind of a big, for lack of a better term, a big nesting Buddha statue. So after exploring the temple, we're back in the car and back on the road. And our next destination is... Uh, Nam Nao Canyon. Nam Nao Canyon. All right. And we think that's about two and a half hours, I think. Right? Less than that. that. Less than that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. So we drove on. And uh, we drove a few more hours, maybe two hours, to Nam Nao National Park. This is Nam Nao Canyon. But the canyon itself was a little bit hard to find. So we had instructions that said we had to drive down this way and go park at this wooden temple. We're like, wooden temple? I've never seen a wooden temple before. But sure enough, there in the middle of the forest was this Thai temple made entirely of wood. It was really unique. Had never seen anything like that before. And we kind of asked for directions to the guys working at the temple. And they told us which way to walk to actually get to the canyon. And then they were like, do you want to see inside the temple? They were, like, they were very, very proud of it. And we were like, yeah, of course, sure. So they took us in the temple and they kind of showed us around. They were doing some renovation work on it. And that was really neat. It was really fun to kind of have this unexpected experience as we were traveling. You know, get to meet the local people and kind of talk to them. I can speak some Thai, but Carl is fluent in Thai. He's been living here for a long time. So that really opened up a lot of doors for us. So we walked on, we got to the canyon, and... Walking around the canyon, even, I realized, man, I'm a little bit out of breath. I was like, this does not bode well. <laughs> um, <laughs> started to get a little bit nervous. Uh-oh. Uh, so anyway, we drove into town. We didn't have anywhere to stay yet. We decided we were just going to kind of play it by ear. So we stopped in at just some very little local stall restaurant, ordered some uh, basil chickens and some beer. And that was that first picture that I sent you the other day uh, where we have our, mm -hmm. our bottles of beer. Uh, we booked a really cheap guest house for 390 baht a night, which is like $10, and it was absolutely fine. Carl was saying, you know, make sure you enjoy it, because this is going to be your last hot shower, your last real bed for, you know, several days. <laughs> Day two, we met at 6 o'clock to get on the road. So it's Tuesday morning. It is 5.58 a.m., 17 degrees outside, and we're not even at the top of the mountain yet. It's going to be a nice, <laughs> nice chilly week, I think. Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> I, I had the air conditioning on in the room. I know. It walked out and the cold hit me. It's like being in Europe. It's great. I know. I love it. So we're going to drive about another hour and, and get to the park, hopefully right right in time to uh, go up with the very first people that head to the top of the mountain. It was probably another hour and a half to actually get to the town where uh, the national park is. We could tell that the landscape was already getting a lot more rugged. Tuesday, 7.15 a.m. 
We've been driving for a while. We had a very quick stop at a 7-Eleven to buy some coffee. I had a tin of my very favorite Birdie Black coffee. And we're at a little rest area. I guess you can consider it a base camp. Um, they've got lots of food. It's a very typical Thai-style breakfast place where you get a big plate of rice, and then you can just scoop on whichever side dishes you want on top, along with a fried egg. So uh, this is kind of our last stop before we head into the park. I'm still looking for a walking stick. I want a hiking stick of some sort, uh, but I don't have one yet. I'm feeling excited, feeling enthusiastic. Definitely not in the best of shape for this, but I am so ready to do it. I'm so ready to attempt this. And from what I hear, the beginning and the end are going to be the hardest parts. After about an hour of driving, finally, we had our first view of Pukredung itself. And it's a mountain of sorts, I suppose, but it's a plateau. It's very flat at the top. It's really steep to get up there, but it's flat at the top. Pukredung is famous in Thailand. Um, let me explain a little bit about Pukredung itself. It is 1,300 meters or about 4,300 feet high in Loi province. It's 60 square kilometers at the top. It's really, really large at the top. The name itself, Kredung, is a word that kind of means like a bell because it's sort of shaped like a brass bell. And there's this legend that if you're there at certain times of the year, you can hear this bell sound, which is said to be the bell of Indra kind of ringing across the mountain. So it's really um, kind of a mythical sort of mountain here in Thailand. What's also interesting is that as you climb, there are several very distinct biomes that you pass through. There's definitely a like a pine forest at the very top. Parts of it look very Jurassic. There's just ferns mm. and um, you know scrubland like that. Another part, there's like a bamboo forest as you're going up. Another part was very much the jungle. So it's really interesting as you're climbing up, it changes and you get to see these sort of different landscapes. Here's the thing: it's also very steep. It's not an easy climb necessarily to do. Uh, especially for someone like me. I'm not in the best of shape, and I haven't done anything like this before. This was new for me. Without there being any roads, the only way to the top is to walk. And that can be a problem, because that also means you have to carry your stuff to the top. Whatever you've mm -hmm. got, you do, you do have to carry it. Fortunately, there are porters that you can hire that will carry all of your <laughs> gear that you have uh, up to the top for you. So they weigh it for you at the bottom of the mountain, and then it is 30 baht per kilogram. That's about a dollar for two pounds, right? Now, the nice thing is you don't have to carry your tent or your food up because they have all of that at the top for you. What I did was I just carried my camel back and I let them carry up my backpack, that's all, all my other gear. And so they will carry it on these bamboo poles across their shoulders and they will carry the gear all the way to the top for you. So we are at the park and we have just given our bags to a porter, which is really nice. Yeah, and we'll just uh, collect it at the top. Are you ready? Yes. Having your last minute milk before we go, huh? Yep. <laughs> Some protein. There we go. Let's do it. If you look at the map of the park, the map of the climb, um, there are these little stations along the way, little rest areas. Mm -hmm. The first stretch of the climb and the last stretch are the hardest. You can, you can see how steep they are. Setting off on that first stretch, we started climbing. It was extremely, incredibly steep. The, you know what, James? I genuinely, at that moment thought I was going to have to cut our losses and go home. I did not think I was going to make it, even that first stretch. I'm like, if I am suffering this badly going up <laughs> to this first station, how am I going to make it to the top? I mean, I texted you when I finally did get to that first rest area, and I was like, I don't know mm -hmm. if I can do this, James. I'm like, I'm 
actually dying. Like my my vision is going black. It was like there were my, there were moments when I thought I was going to pass out. Like <laughs> not joking. I mean, I was like, I taste blood. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I taste pennies. <laughs> yeah. No. Really. Really. And I mean, Carl was really encouraging. You know, he was oh, up man. up kind of shouting down to me like positive thinking, Mike, positive thinking, you know, trying to really encourage me to do it. But this first stretch, I was having trouble. Like my hands were on my knees. I was kind of going one step at a time, kind of like pushing myself off of my knees, trying to climb up this thing. <laughs> when we, we finally got to the first rest area. So we've been hiking for about 45 minutes, I guess. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I've survived so far. We're at the first rest stop, and there's probably, I guess, two dozen little um, bamboo shops where you can get food and water and, you know, electrolyte beverages. I just had a Gatorade. You've got a coconut. Well, we have ascended a grand total of 240 meters. Well. <laughs> over a distance of 1.4 kilometers. There you go. <laughs> Great start for yeah. the day. Yes, yes. I, I believe I can do it. I know I can do it. Like you said, positive thinking. That's going to get us there. And uh, Oh, this is one nice coconut. It's really yeah. sweet. Lovely. Sat down for about half an hour. Carl was like, you know, you've done the hardest part. The last stretch is hard too, but you've done the hardest part. I think you can do it. And I was like, you know, I think I can do it as well. Now I'm kind of warmed up and going. I'm glad I didn't end the trip there, but I almost passed out. I almost blacked out for real. Fortunately, there was a lady up there selling trekking poles. I'm like, I need to buy a trekking pole. I need a walking stick, something to help me. And I don't know how much of it was that I had just already done the hardest part. I don't know if it was sort of a placebo, or I don't know if it really made a difference, but it really made a difference. It was the best 250 baht I have ever spent to buy this trekking pole, <laughs> because after that, it was still very hard, but it was manageable. So Tuesday, 10 o'clock a.m., we were at the second rest stop. That one was not so bad. No. Second hike, no. We've got an extra leg, haven't you, on this one? <laughs> I know. I bought a trekking pole for 250 baht, and it has already paid for itself. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better, so Carl's got some watermelon. I've got a... A uh, coconut. Oh man, exactly what I needed. <laughs> this is lovely. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful day. I mean, we couldn't ask for better weather, really. No. It's sunny. It's not hot at all. We're at our third stop of the day. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember how many there are. Like six I can't or seven remember. Something. Yeah, it's like six or seven something. All the like math. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, we're doing well. We are. I, I'm. I'm impressed. I was struggling at the beginning, but that was a very steep part, and now I've got my stick, so... Uh, yeah, I was worried at the beginning. I was beginning to think, oh, well, oh, if we can't make it to I the know, first race I know. point. I believe I can do it. I believe I can do it. Oh, you, you can make it. <laughs> oh, you can do it. Yeah. I have generally pretty good stamina. I know I'm out of shape, but, like, you know, I can do it. I need, I need to get in shape when we get back. I think, yeah, I think <laughs> you did. You got your second win. Yes, definitely. And now we're having a Coca-Cola. Got some caffeine, got some sugar. Yeah, that's it. So what I think more can a man want? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's... <laughs> it's a place over there. It does massages. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, man, my poor legs could go for something like that, I know. i tell you what, but we could not ask for better weather. No, especially after the last time I got off <laughs> it. was awful. Well, yeah, you were telling me about it with all the... You've been up here twice before, and it's... Mm. Hopefully, it seems like this is the best weather you've had here. It is, yeah. Yeah, the first time it was yeah. the hot season, it was extremely hot. Yeah. And the second time it was just raining and muddy. This would be very hard in the mud. can't tell if my bag is leaking or I'm just really sweaty. That's <laughs> sweat. I, I had the same experience when I put it on. Air out a little bit while we're up here. Here's the thing, James. <laughs> I was really having a hard time. I was really struggling. 
And at one point, we passed this, like, 70-year-old little tiny Thai lady going up, and Carl was just saying hello and asking her about it. She says, oh, yeah, I live here in Loy. She goes, I climb it probably three times a week just for fitness, up and down, same day. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, here I am just dying, and this old lady does it three times oh, a week up and down. Just for fun. <laughs> 10.45 a.m., we were just looking at the map, and it looks like we're almost there, which is troubling because we've only ascended halfway. <laughs> we're going to come in. I really appreciate that they have these rest stops along the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's nice. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a treat, you know. Yeah, obviously, most places don't have anything like this. No. It was very difficult. Uh, and I was kind of texting you along the way. And I, I think, and I really did mean it when I told you, mm-hmm. James, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. This is like physically the most demanding thing, the most adventurous thing I've ever done. I am having a really hard time. It's about 11.30 and we're at the next rest stop. I've lost count. I think it's the fourth one. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, they're all about the same, so I don't remember. But uh, it's really nice to sit down. That last part was not that hard, but all the rocks, the boulders made it a bit like technically tricky, you know. Oh, you don't sure. want to slip it, on the boulder there, yeah. It gets worse. So, uh, doing okay. I think I've decided I'm just going to go slow and steady. There's no reason <laughs> no reason to push myself. It's not like we have any big appointment to get to today or anything like that. No. So, uh, it's about 12 noon. We've come to another rest area. This rest area came surprisingly and worryingly quick. Like, for the first time, I don't feel like I need a rest. Like, that was probably one of the easiest legs yeah. I had. But it's the last one, so we're taking a rest anyway. Yeah, it's a wise <laughs> choice because it says 1.3 kilometers to the top. No rest and no rest. Deep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there isn't enough room. It's so steep. There isn't enough room to have another rest yeah. point. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're going to earn this next section. We sure are having some electrolytes and there's a reward coming up. We're almost there. I can do it, and uh, I'm going to go slow. <laughs> that's the, that's the ticket. Here we go. The next time you hear from us, we'll be at the top. Unless well, something terrible happens. <laughs> I made it to the top. <laughs> the sign says, congratulations to Pukudung Conqueror. We have conquered it. We are here at the top. Somehow we made it, and man, it feels good. It feels like success. So we've got to walk a little ways, a couple, couple kilometers to the campsite, but I can do that now. The part that was hard about this last part, it's not that it was steep because there were stairs, yeah. it was the rocks. Yeah. The boulders, the rocks, and uh, it, it was, was tricky. Awkward. It yes. was awkward. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit scrambly at last bit. Yeah. Plus you've got that lo- long section without a rest. But the thing is, once you get to the top of the mountain, you still have to walk four kilometers to get to the campsite. It's not just there at the peak. You still have to walk along. Fortunately, it's a plateau. It's flat. And I'm like, I can walk f- on flat ground forever, right? I, that's fine. Once you're at the top, <laughs> the hard part is over. <laughs> oh man, I'm just looking at this map right here, and and you know it goes from it, it goes from like nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's exactly sea level, but it's it, it's just not a, yeah, tall it's it's pretty much sea level, yeah. To however tall it is, it's so it's yeah. again height 4, is relative. Feet. Oh, absolutely. You know, zero to four thousand feet is ridiculous. That's four thousand feet of elevation gain. Especially over such a short distance. I think the entire walk is only like mm-hmm. five kilometers, so like three miles. I know I could do the uh, Pythagorean theorem to figure that out. I'm not going to. It was very steep. <laughs> and you can see, as we're walking up, you know, the scariest part, James, sometimes it would be like next rest area, 120 meters. And you're like, oh, no, because you know what that means. You know, that means it's extremely hard to get to that next point. When they tell you, they're like. <laughs> Fortunately, 
these porters were there because I couldn't have done it, I don't think, if I had to carry all of my, my gear up with me. And fortunately, too, like I said, you don't have to carry your own tent because the park just has tents and sleeping bags and pillows and blankets to rent and, like, sleeping pads. So, you know, we checked in. Everything was already set up for us. Really nice. We didn't have to worry about any of that. This is one of the biggest campsites in Thailand. The campsite at the top can accommodate, they say, 5,000 tents. There weren't nearly 5,000 people there. I mean, there were probably 50 people there when we were there. It was the middle of the week, you know, middle of the work week. But it can mm-hmm. accommodate a lot of people. And the reason they have to put everyone together here is because there are wild elephants up at Pukredung. So this big campsite is surrounded by an electric fence to keep the elephants out and just to protect the campers. Because, you know, as cute as elephants are, they're very dangerous. And people do die in national parks in Thailand every year getting trampled by rampaging elephants. You know, it is definitely not a um, not something you want to mess with. And so that's the no. reason that uh, everyone's kind of together here. There are also restaurants and little shops and places where you can buy food. They'll make you a basil chicken or a fried rice or a pad thai or whatever you want. And you can buy water and snacks and all of that. Uh, And Advil, (laughs) because I really needed that. So (laughs) you don't have to worry too much about carrying your own stuff up, which is excellent. That makes things a lot easier. That's cool. I like that. I never saw any elephants, but I did see some wildlife. I saw some deer. These are sambar deer. They're big, and they were just hanging out at the park. They were hanging out near the restaurants because, obviously, that's where the food is, <laughs> and they're just waiting for people to drop stuff. It was fun to see them. Never saw any elephants. We did see elephant dung along the way, though, so there were signs of them. They had been there within the last several days walking along near the park, so they're up there. It's interesting to see pine trees. Yeah. You know, the landscape was very different, and that was one thing I was kind of commenting on. I was like, if you had shown me a picture of this place and asked Michael, where is this? I don't think I ever would have guessed Thailand. It's absolutely not what you would expect Thailand to look like. Pine trees Mm-mm. and deer. It just doesn't look like Thailand. I don't know what I would have guessed, but you know, I wouldn't have said I was in Southeast Asia at all, I don't think. I was already pretty tired that night, but we did take another walk in the evening. We walked two kilometers out and two kilometers back to see the sunset over the cliffs, and that was worth it. And again, it was flat, so it wasn't like I wasn't just dying. You know? Yeah, um, flat, walking on flats is nothing. Like, you can yeah. just go forever. It's Tuesday. 7.22 p.m. Man, I am exhausted. We walked 18 kilometers today. Mind you, a lot of that was vertical. While this is one of the more popular campsites in Thailand, uh, I've even heard it can accommodate up to 5,000 tents. There seem to be very few people here. In fact, me and Carl, I believe, are the only two foreigners here, at least that I've seen so far. There were parts, especially at the very beginning, when I actually did not think I was going to make it. I kind of thought I was going to have to stop or turn around. And I hated that. I hated that feeling. It's kind of a wake-up call that I really do need to get fit and get in shape. The first leg of the hike is the hardest. Famously, it's the steepest, and it's really rough. Um, And there were moments when I kind of felt my vision going a little bit dark, and I was like, man, I'm about to pass out. I really thought I was going to faint. My heart was pounding, and I was terrible. Uh, made it to the first rest area, sat down for a breather, uh, bought a trekking pole. After that, I was okay. I'm not going to say I ran up the mountain or anything, but I was okay. You know, online it said it takes between four to seven hours to make it to the top, and we did it in almost exactly five, you know, with several rests along the way, and I'm proud of that. You know, that's, I would say, uh, you know, below average, so... Even with my struggles at the very beginning, I was fine, and the trekking pole was definitely a game changer. That 
was a massive game changer, man. And it was only 250 baht, which is less than $10. Completely worth it. So we rented these really large national park tents. They're kind of camo tents. They're all set up in a row. And they're big. It's like a three-man tent for each person. So it's really plenty of room. A uh, sleeping pad, a sleeping bag, and a thick blanket and a pillow, which I think we're going to need the blanket because it is already getting cold up here. After we kind of got settled, we walked down to the little restaurants. There's several restaurants up here as well, so you also don't have to bring your food up, which is so nice. You know, they really have everything. Had a fantastic basil chicken for dinner. I mean, I don't know if it's because I was just so tired and so hungry that anything would taste good, but yeah, I mean, man, it was so good. It was genuinely one of the better basil chickens I've had. And I think we're going to go back to that same shop tomorrow because it was really, really nice. We walked down kind of along the plateau, another two kilometers, to a sunset point. And, you know, there were several people kind of walking the trail, several people out there as well, uh, sat down on the cliff face and just, I mean, man, the pictures can't do it justice. The, the sunset was incredible. The view was incredible. You really just can't capture depth in a photograph, but it was yeah, beautiful, stunning. Walked back to the campsite just as it was getting dark, and man, I was so tired at that point. Had a shower, but uh, I'll tell you what, it's already getting cold up here. Uh, it is January, after all, and we're quite far north, and we're quite high up, and so that was probably the fastest, most frigid shower I have ever had in my whole life. You know, normally after a long hike like that, you want a really, like, a hot shower. You know, you want to kind of soak in, in the hot water. Not the case. So we're all, you know, settled in the tents, and I've just stepped outside for a minute to record my, my update here. And I'm looking up at the stars, and uh, this is definitely a dark sky spot. There's no light pollution here. You can see, see stars across the whole sky. I just so wish I could take a picture of it. Of course, you can't really photograph stars, not without like good specialized equipment, which I, of course, do not have. So, um, take my word for it. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. I feel good. You know, I feel a real sense of accomplishment for that because that was not an easy trek. In fact, I might even venture to say that that was one of the hardest things I've done in my life. And, of course, adventure is relative. And, of course, there's like kids and, and older people up here as well that did it, you know, maybe no problem, but... For me, this was really tough, and so I'm really glad to be you know, getting out of my comfort zone and doing something like this and having a great time. You know, I was really, really suffering, and I was really struggling, but that moment when I hit the peak, when I finally turned around and looked back, you know, um, you know I, was, I was almost to the top, and Carl was yelling down to me, you know, oh, there's just one more set of stairs, one more, you know, a couple more boulders to scramble over, and I turned around, and there was this view, and it just made everything worth it. And now I'm, you know, I'm really, really happy. I'm really proud of myself for uh, for what I've done. For the sunrise, we have to meet the ranger at 5 a.m. You know, we've set our alarms for 4:30, so it's going to be another bright and early morning tomorrow. You know, not, not even bright, dark and early. So I'm definitely going to get some sleep here in just a minute. It's not even, not even 8 o'clock, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely going to get some sleep. I, I'm feeling okay right now, but I guarantee you, in the morning, I am going to be stiff and aching and sore. All right, so uh, signing off for now, and I will keep you posted on the adventures. I will talk to you first thing tomorrow morning and keep you appraised of what we're up to. We've got some other hikes planned tomorrow. Tomorrow, nothing should be nearly as strenuous as this. We're, we're going probably 20, 30-kilometer hike, but uh, like I said, we're at a plateau, so everything is relatively flat. We're going to go see the cliffs and, and kind of walk around the edges there. And then I had an extremely early night that night. Like, as soon as the sun was down, like at 6 o'clock, I was like, I'm going to bed. Because You went to bed. <laughs> I did. Because we were getting up early the next morning. 
So there's a sunrise point as well. You can walk to the cliff to see the sunrise, but you have to go with the ranger because of the elephants. Because it's dangerous, you can't go alone. This trail mm-hmm. is only accessible with a park ranger. And they depart at 5 a.m. So we were up at 4.30 to go and see the sunrise. It is dark. Man, it's dark. And it is cold, too. You know, there's one point in the night when I got up to use the restroom, and I was shivering. I was actually shivering. It was really hard to get out of my sleeping bag. Yeah, I came back and put on a hoodie. I had a little, like a beanie hat. It's like a yellow beanie. My wife calls it my monk hat because it looks like the uh, the hats that the Thai monks wear in the winter here in Thailand to uh, keep their little bald heads warm. Um, but it did the trick. It was great. Uh, and I slept so well last night. I slept so soundly. I'll tell you what, it was hard to get up this morning. 4.30 was early, but it's going to be great. We're going to get some amazing views, I hope. hope we have a beautiful sunrise and... Uh, People are slowly starting to walk around. I see some lights. Looks like people are going to start gathering over here at the camp headquarters real soon. So the good news is I have a can of coffee. Hang on. I picked up a can of uh, Birdie Robusta coffee at one of the little shops here. Double the price at back down at the bottom, but you know what? 30 baht for a can of coffee. It's worth it. So I'm going to drink this real quick and uh, hopefully feel really, really good. 503, 14 degrees centigrade, and we are just setting out. Quite a big group here in the dark. And James, I have to tell you, this was the coldest I've ever been in Thailand. I've never been this cold. Um, It was 7 degrees Celsius, which is like 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And let me tell you something else. The water is not heated in the showers. So imagine taking a 40 degree shower. Oh my (laughs) gosh, man. (laughs) Tell you what, that'll wake you up. I was actually shivering in my tent. I was really cold. Seven degrees is really not a joke. You know, that's cold for America, much less for Thailand. No, and, like you don't ha- you don't own like cold weather clothes anymore. I don't even have like long pants. I was like, there in shorts. You know, <laughs> you just have shorts. You don't even own jeans. I don't. I never need them. So we walked down to see the sunrise, probably with about fifty people, um, which is pretty much everyone, because it's like when you're there. You know, you definitely want to see that. And also, they're kind of just like they, they make this announcement on loudspeakers at like 4 o'clock in the morning or like 4.30 in the morning. It kind of just wakes you up. Yeah. If you want to see the sunrise, you know, come meet the park ranger at the headquarters and all that. And you're like, okay, at that point, I might as well. <laughs> so we all walked down there. and I'm up now. I will say the sunrise was beautiful, but it was a little bit disappointing. We were hoping to see the sea of fog. You know, the cloud inversion when you're up on the mountains of Thailand mm. and you're above the clouds and you can look down and you see the clouds. And for a while, it was actually looking really hopeful. It was looking like the clouds were going to form because we could see the village below. And as it got lighter, the clouds were coming in and we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to get to see the sea of fog. But the sea of fog kept coming higher and higher and higher. And suddenly it's just sort of rolled over the mountain, (laughs) enveloping us. There was one point where we felt like you couldn't even see 10 feet in front of your face. You could very easily stumble off the cliff, Mm -hmm. I suppose, and and fall down if you're not careful. But... (laughs) So, uh, yeah, maybe not much point waiting around. I don't think we're going to no. see much of a sunrise. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, even out here, you know, it's really foggy now. Yeah. Ahead of us as well. It's all rolled up over the yeah. plateau. No, so on the, it's all right. It'll, you know, fill up a minute or so of the video. We for a second, yeah. <laughs> a few of the shots will be quite nice, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and there's a story There's a story yeah. there as well, right? Exactly. But I am glad we saw. I'm glad we had an early start. Now we're wide awake. Breakfast sounds great, though. Yes. You definitely go for some breakfast. You talk about sea of fog. It's like, I have seen that in Colorado. It's something else, if anyone 
has never seen it. It is a bizarre phenomenon. It is weird. I say try to see it, but you can't try and see it. That's not how that works. You just have to get lucky <laughs> to be on a mountain with the right weather conditions. Mm-hmm. It's really odd. It's really weird to be above the clouds like that. That next day was mostly just hiking and exploring. We hiked around. In fact, we ended up walking 30 kilometers that day. I'm not, I'm not joking. That day was probably the hardest day for me because I was already really sore, and my feet were just killing me. In fact, I even got a couple of blisters that day just because we were walking so much after having climbed the mountain the day before. We took a walk along the cliffs, tried to get some really great views down into the valley below. We found a couple of waterfalls. There was a pond up at the top that we went to. Again, I'll have photographs of this on the blog. The best way to see it is probably to mm -hmm. go to Carl's YouTube channel and check out the videos, and I'll put links to all of mm -hmm. his videos in the show notes as well. The landscape was stunning. It was definitely worthwhile walking around, but it took all day. You know, We probably started walking around 8 a.m., and we didn't get back until probably 6 p.m. And that last kilometer, I was my, – my poor feet were in a lot of pain. We did walk a lot. We walked to all these various different cliffs. After one very long walk, we finally got to the, the dang cliff, which, which made me laugh. <laughs> dang means red in Thai, but there's the, the sign that says cliff. the dang cliff. Welcome to the dang cliff. <laughs> kind of gave me a little <laughs> chuckle there. <laughs> but the most famous cliff – the most famous point in this whole park, in fact, the point that will show up on the stamp of the National Park Passport, which I definitely got, is the Lomsak Cliff, a cliff that sticks straight out, sort of a ledge that sticks straight out over the valley. People like to go there for sunset and take pictures out that way. We were there during the day, and there was not many people there, which was really nice because at sunset, it gets extremely crowded. It's beautiful up there. It is. So 11.44 a.m., after about a nine-kilometer hike, we have just arrived at Lomsak Cliff. And the nice thing is it's quite flat at the top, so it's not a very difficult hike. It's a little bit long, but it's not so difficult. So uh, we still have a lot of energy. We're going to take some time to get some pictures, have a maybe an hour rest. There's uh, some food, little local shops behind us. So, yeah, no, we're, we're here. We did it. We've come to a waterfall, and even though it's the dry season, there is some water running. Um, yeah, it's not totally dry after all. There's a bit of a little pond down at the bottom, and we're kind of at this cliff, and it really does feel like we're deep in the jungle. So you can probably hear, I hope, hope you can hear the waterfall running here in the background. Uh, there's also a lot of spiders, very odd black and yellow spiders on their webs around here. So I think I'm going to uh, get out of here and get back on the trail. But yeah, no, it was gorgeous up there, and it was definitely worth the long hike that we did that day. Yeah, man, by the time I got back to the camp, I was just dead on my feet. Like, I could barely move. I was in so much pain. I, I was hobbling around like, like a hundred-year-old man. I was barely able to walk that last kilometer. But while we were up there, we had walked to the point that we were planning to go down the mountain. And it was about 10 kilometers from the camp to go there, to go down the secret route. And we saw it. We looked down there, and, you know, we could see the mm -hmm. trail going down. We were talking. We're like, you know what? That might not make a very interesting video. People have already seen us climb up. Do they really just want to see us climb back down the mountain? We're going to get down the mountain and take a Songtao back to the park, and that's just it. And then we go home. Carl was like, you know, people might not even want to see that. So he's like, you know what? I have an idea. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. I'm going to work on something tonight. We'll just go down the normal way, and uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. 7.15, and it's gotten very cold. I'm, I had a shower already, and that, I, oh, it's probably the fastest shower I've ever had. You know, you just want to be in and out in just a couple of seconds. But uh, we're trying to warm up. We've got our layers on, and we are at our favorite restaurant, Bu Lai. Uh, it's really, really good. We've actually been here for every meal, 
Yeah. Even though there's probably a dozen restaurants, but our first meal here was so good, we just developed some brand loyalty. So we're having a hot Ovaltine to kind of warm up a little bit before bed because it's really cold. We walked about 30 kilometers today, and I, it was a fantastic walk. Saw some oh, amazing yeah. views. The cliff. Oh, yeah. I was looking at some of the footage. It was really good, you know. But some of the things like, I really like... Uh, are just not the things I would have thought, you know, like, some of it is, you know, like the, the walking up to the lake. And yeah. I was, I was looking at one of, when we first arrived at the tents and I'm just checking the stuff in my tent, you know, it looks pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. I'm feeling really pretty good now, but the last probably two kilometers, I was kind of limping into camp, but uh, I made it, <laughs> took off my shoes, laid down for a little while, and I'm feeling a lot better now. So after a little bit of a rest, a very, very cold shower, a good meal, and you know, a glass of hot Ovaltine, I am back on my feet and ready for the descent tomorrow. Right, this is, this is the final night here. We're going to uh, hike back down again tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, I think it is going to be so cold tonight. I mean, it's a beautiful night in some ways. You can see the stars, you know, the being virtually free of light pollution up here. It looks great, but of course, uh, a night where you haven't got any clouds. You know, the clouds act as a blanket, so it means it's going to be cold. I think it's going to probably get... We've, we've been talking with the lady who runs the restaurant, and she agrees that it's probably going to get down to about 7 centigrade. Yeah, which, the, sun, uh, the sun just went down and it's cold already. Yeah, and we're so cold and I've done something I haven't... It must be 20 years since I've had a, a cup of oval tea. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, I'm up for anything, so... <laughs> I mean, everything that you've decided to do so far has been fantastic, so I trust yeah, yeah. you yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the, you know, the abandoned places. I've never been there before. You know, right? Never, yeah. Never I'm gonna find now, out about so it. Yeah. Would be would be totally new. Well, the only thing we didn't do is see elephants, but not for lack of trying. No. <laughs> we searched everywhere where they said we could, but that's just a matter of luck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been something seeing them down there. You know, yeah, from, from the distance. Through. Yeah. So, uh, but. Again, I was dying. I was able to get some medicine from one of the little shops, some uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicine, which made a difference, I think. I slept really, really good, had a bunch of electrolytes, slept great. The next morning, Carl was like, okay, I heard about this place called Banmung. It's a little sub-district in Pitsonyulok province. It's apparently really popular now with Thai people, but tourists have no idea. In fact, even when we were looking for a hotel, there was nothing. There was nothing on Booking.com, nothing on Agoda. It was just kind of like, we just got to go and find a place to stay. So we're like, okay, sure, let's just do it. We drove through the mountains, through the countryside. I'm talking, there was no infrastructure. We were in the middle of nowhere. Like, we were probably way more remote than I've ever been in Thailand. It was really interesting, and we finally, actually surprisingly easily found a place to stay. There was a hotel up there, sort of a resort hotel with little bungalows, and it was excellent. And what was so interesting about this place was that we're right up against the karst limestone cliffs. And that was our goal, because Carl had discovered online a walk or a hike that would take us to the top of these cliffs. And he said, I've never done this before. You said you wanted to do something I'd never done before, and I've never done this. So this will be more interesting than <laughs> going down that secret route. I'm like, yeah, 
okay, I'm up for anything, Carl. I was like, I'll, I'll do anything, whatever. Whatever you think is a good idea, I'm up for it. So that night, you know, we finally just dropped our stuff off at the bungalows, had a hot shower, a very blessed hot shower, the first one I'd had in days, called it a night. So it's Friday, 7 a.m., and we just had toasty sandwiches and coffee at the local 7-Eleven. Very achy, uh, very sleepy. I'm a wide awake, and we're standing at Wat Van Mung, which is the start of this hike. We're going to follow the GPS and hopefully get to the top of these limestone karsts. So the next morning, we got up, and we set off. Now, there really was no information about this thing. What we had was a GPS and a GPS route that Carl had found on the internet, and that was it. We knew nothing. So we parked our car about 10 minutes away from the hotel at this temple, and actually we took a moment to explore the temple because they had some really interesting caves. We had a look at some of their caves, and there were some Buddha statues in the caves. Right, yeah, okay, we're, we're, yeah. I think where that branch is off sharp left okay, is yeah. okay. where we want to be. Okay. Now the thing, it's back that way, but the monk told us to come this way. Maybe he thinks we're going to the cave. Mm. Go and have a look at it. Why yeah. not? We're here, yeah. Spontaneous, yeah. We've got lights in here or something. Yeah. Oh, look, that looks very spooky, doesn't it? <laughs> this like old wall and old gate. So we've followed the directions that the monk gave us, um, but it seems like he was directing us to a cave, which might be interesting as well. So well, let's just see what it is. We started following the GPS route, started walking. And it took us to this trail, this sort of unmarked trail that was hardly a trail and almost more of like um, a ladder. Uh, and in fact, there were ladders at several points. It was almost entirely vertical. You had to pull yourself up with ropes. And I was sending you pictures of this that day as well. Uh, and you could see how steep that route was for us trying to climb up to that point. But we finally got to the top. This was tough too. I wouldn't say this was the hardest thing I've done because I still think that first day of climbing was harder. However, I will say that this was probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done, because as we climbed up the karst cliffs, the rocks were so sharp, and we were just climbing up basically bamboo ladders lashed to these knife-like rocks. If you make a wrong move, if you slip, if your hand touches it, you would definitely slice your hand open. I mean, it was that sharp. It was really, really kind of scary. Bamboo is interesting, because... You know it's strong, but it's also very light, and it bends. So as you're climbing these ladders, it's kind of like, you know, creaking mm -hmm. and bending beneath you. And you're like, if anything breaks, I'm actually dead, you know? going to die. <laughs> this is it. This is it for all There was Mike. not even anywhere to stand. Like, it, there were very few places you could actually just stand with two feet. We finally, after about an hour and a half, we got to the top, and the views made it absolutely worth it. You know, we had views across the entire countryside from these sort of very, very sharp points. And there was a, a flag at the very top. Of course, we went and did our victory pose with the flag. We probably stayed up there another hour just sort of recovering from this crazy climb we had just done. This was amazing. Now, this was true adventure. We were climbing up these super sketchy bamboo ladders to the top of this karst cliff. And my gosh, I'm not going to say there has to be an element of danger in adventure, I'm not going to say that that's required, but it certainly adds to it. Because it I'm, I'm not joking, this was not safe, James. This was not a safe thing to have done. And we didn't realize it was going to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because, like, you, you sent me a little thing, a little teaser video from... Yeah, from uh, Carl's YouTube channel. Carl's video. And I was looking at that and I was like, oh, no. 
we were like, <laughs> what have we gotten ourselves into? Was Carl even thinking that? No, I mean, we were both all for it. But again, we were like, you know, he had no idea. This is something he'd never done before. All he had had was some photographs from the top and the GPS route. He didn't know what to expect either. This was something that neither of us knew what we were getting ourselves into until we were at the top. And at that point, like we're already up there. It was sketchy, James. There were points of it where I was like, man, like one of us could we could really get hurt. And those points, I'm not joking. They are sharp like knives. And you actually had to kind of use them as Mm -hmm. handholds sometimes. You know, I mean, gloves would have been good. Maybe. I'm not sure. But it was it was intense. It was crazy to climb up this karst. Oh, man. The view was absolutely worth it. There was a bamboo platform at the top. And it was covered, and we just stayed there for like an hour just recovering because it was really not physically hard. Like I wasn't really like in pain or anything like that, but it was technically very hard because the rocks are loose, and you have to use these ropes to pull yourself up. And like I said, there was almost nowhere where you could just stand with two feet. It was so vertical that at most you had to kind of like maybe one foot or maybe the tips of your toes, and you kind of had to have your hands gripping on stuff. So there was nowhere to really just like sit and rest, really. There were some sort of bamboo poles that were lashed down that you could kind of sit on like a bench a few points along the way. But it was extremely difficult. But man, how rewarding to finally get to the top there. Going down was scarier because you kind of have to go backwards down these ladders and make sure that... Yeah, I was about to ask. I was going to ask. Yeah, make sure that your feet hit something. You don't just like drop down into the void, you know, below you. But here's the thing, James. Things turned bad as soon as we got to the bottom. (laughs) So as we were about halfway down the mountain, we actually passed this lady who was coming up. And that's weird because, you know, we hadn't seen anyone. So Carl kind of says hello in Thai and he's kind of trying to talk to her. Like I mentioned, on our journey, we had been talking to people and everyone who's a hiker, everyone's so excited to see us Mm -hmm. and really nice and friendly. Now this lady didn't say a word. She had this sour, stony expression on her face and she looked furious and we kind of got past her and i was like what what was that about and carl's like i have no idea and we heard her on her phone and carl's like oh she's talking to someone she said something like there's two foreigners trying to sneak up the mountain head them off at the bottom something like that we're like "Uh uh-oh and like like i mentioned there were no signs that said what we were doing so we were kind of talking we're like maybe this is accidentally like some private property or maybe like the locals Mm, like run tours up here and they're not going to be really happy that we did this we're like okay that's fine if we get to the bottom and, you know, they want us to pay them, like, the fee that we would have to pay to climb. That's fine. Like, we, there was no sign. We had no idea. Well, we get to the bottom of the mountain after this climb, and there's these, like, five guys wearing camouflage fatigues, carrying guns, waiting for us. Five <laughs> armed guys. And they kind of herd us into the back of this pickup truck. And I was like, you know what? Anywhere else in the world, if I came out of the jungle and I was met with, like, armed guys in camo, I'd be freaking out but for some reason in thailand i was like you know what i think i'm okay i don't know why i don't know if it's naive but i just felt like in thailand i'm not concerned (laughs) about what's going on which is kind of funny because i feel like you probably should have been maybe should have been but then i realized that they were national park they they had Mm. dnp department of the national parks and i'm like oh no is this a national park well apparently we had trespassed onto the national park And again, James, there were no signs. There was nothing in Thai or English that said that we were at the national park. But you can't just go into a national park without checking in and paying the fee. So we were taken back to the park headquarters, and they were like, what are you doing? And we were like, well, we have to, you know, we we don't know. We were just going on a hike. We just saw this route. And they're like, where did you find this trail? We just saw it online. I don't know. (laughs) Like, we, We don't know what's going on. 
yeah, it turns out we were actually at a national park, and we were supposed to have gone up with a ranger. This trail is mm. supposed to be only accessible with a ranger. You have to wear, like, a, a helmet. You have to have, like, harnesses. Like, it's something that you're supposed to do, <laughs> in, you know, that's a lot safer. And we had just done it without knowing. Again, I want to stress, there were no signs. So they held us there, and I think I think after a while, they realized that they had kind of overreacted, that it was just two foreigners who kind of got lost. Yeah. But they had made such a big deal at the beginning that if they had just kind of been like, oh, you know what, it's fine, go on, they would kind of have lost face about it. So they had to just mm-hmm. kind of keep going. But like we got back there, and they, then they gave us these bottles of water, and they gave us a place to sit. And after a while, while they were trying to figure out the paperwork, they were like, are you hungry? Are you hungry? And we're like, no, we're okay. They're like, we can take you to 7. Come on, get in the get in the truck. They put us in the truck, <laughs> and they drove us to 7-Eleven to grab something to eat, <laughs> took us back. I mean, they were very nice about it in the end, but they didn't have the right paperwork. So they had to like wire into their park headquarters like 30 kilometers away and get the, the document back, you know. And Carl and I were like, can we just pay the fine? Like, it's a thousand baht. It's thirty dollars. We'll pay the fine. Yeah. They're like, oh no, but we have to have the paperwork. So we we got hit with the full brunt of the Thai bureaucracy, and it took three hours for them to get the right document for us. <laughs> <laughs> so it really delayed us getting out, but we did. And at the end, they gave us a lift back to our car, and we were like, you see, there's no sign. And the guy was like, I didn't even know that there was a trail here coming from the village to this park. Because I didn't even know this existed, the park ranger. We're like, yeah, that's what, that's what we're saying. We had no idea we were even on a <laughs> you know, national park property. And at the end, he apologized as he dropped us off. He was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so all's well that ended well. But it was alarming to be confronted with armed guards you know, as you're coming out of the jungle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fortunately, they weren't like insurgents or gorillas or anything like that. They were just park rangers. <laughs> <laughs> just, just park rangers. And some angry lady. Yeah, man. She could have at least told you. She could have been like... What are you doing here? This is park property. Yeah, something like that. You're like, oh. Instead, she just like called in a hit squad on you. Pretty much, yeah. All's well that ends well, but those are the pictures I sent you. At one point, I was like, well, yeah, we're doing it, James. We made it to the top. Then I was like, I, th- I think I sent you a picture of one of the guys yeah. with the guns. I was like, things have gotten bad here, James. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. Okay, so you sent pictures... At the top, Carl's laying in the bamboo shelter. You're hanging out. Pictures are beautiful. And then, then nothing. You're talking about how like great it was and everything. And then the next picture is just two guys with AK-47s. And you just said, we might be having a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. And I was worried, too. And then I saw the DNP on his shirt. And I was like, oh, okay. They'll be fine. We got back in the car. And we were kind of like griping about it. Like, what a waste of our time. Like, we could have just paid the fine and just been on our way. I didn't need to have the receipt, right? It took them three hours right. to find the receipt. I'm like, I really just don't care. One thing I think a lot of people don't know, tourists don't know about Thailand, is that the bureaucracy is just insane. And it's just something that you just have to deal with. There's one thing that these bureaucrats love, and it's their paperwork. So <laughs> so anyone that's ever had to deal with, like, immigration or whatever, you guys know what I'm talking about in Thailand. But even like the, even the immigration at the airport's rough. It just takes a long time. So it took them three hours to find this receipt form they had to give us and finally got it and we were on our way but so that was kind of an inauspicious end to the adventure but i will say i was telling carl when we were in the car i was like you know what this is a bar story this is a story that you can tell over a pint in the pub you know the time that we came out of the jungle and we were detained by men with guns in thailand like that's a great story right you know it gives you like it really was an adventure i love the picture that you you sent me it's you and carl is next to you and he's got kind of a scowl on his face and you're just like yeah, <laughs> he was trying to talk and, to these and, guys, trying to figure out what was going on. I'm like, 
<laughs> and then the guy, then one of the park rangers is like also looking at the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I was like, I'm I'm useless in this situation because they couldn't speak English and my tie is really limited. Carl's having to do all the communicating for both of us. I'm just going to – I think once I realized it was the National Park employees, I was like, I'm You're just going like, to okay. – This is an experience and this is a story and I'm just going to roll with it, whatever happens. That's funny. So that was kind of the end of the journey. But that was my adventure, James, and it was Monday to Friday, really – Big adventure. I mean, what a week. It was great. I really enjoyed uh, spending time with Carl. Loved hearing all of his stories of Thailand over the past 30 years, the adventures he's been on. And yeah, hopefully we can do it again sometime because it was really great. He was a super good guy, really encouraging to me when I was struggling. That was what I did. Uh, Next time you're in Thailand, I hope I can bring you on an adventure like this Mm -hmm. as well um, because now I know a little bit more about what it takes. A lot. If you see anyone who is like a YouTube content creator or like a video content creator. It's a lot of work. That's something I wanted to talk about. I was inspired by the effort Carl had to put in to get these clips. Mm-hmm. That's something I think we could learn from. As we were doing our hike, there were tons of times where, you know, we'd have to set down the tripod, walk ahead, walk back, pick it up again, or climb up something, put the, put the camera down, climb back down, get the shot of us yep. climbing up. It requires an intense amount of dedication and motivation and just wanting to do this. And I think that you and I could learn a lot from that for our podcast. Yeah, I agree because that's one of the things that no one really thinks about is like, if you have a nice shot of you walking into the sunset, you had to set your camera down, walk and get the shot, walk back and pick it up. Yeah. You have to do everything twice. Yeah. And like, you know, he would hand the, the gimbal down to me and I would record him climbing and I would climb up and hand it to him and he would record me climbing up and you know, you're doing everything with one hand as well, like trying to climb these mm-hmm. ladders with one hand because he had the gimbal in the other hand, you know? That should be a fun video then if he includes the getting detained part. We didn't film that. See, that's smart. <laughs> we thought, yeah, cameras are not going to make the situation any better. I've only ever been detained in the Denver airport jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> we weren't even in no. jail. We were at, They just put us down at a picnic table. It's like, hey, hang out. Yeah, yeah you want to go to 7-Eleven? I, like, I will say the Denver airport police did not offer me 7-Eleven. That's the difference between Thailand and the U.S., I think. <laughs> <laughs> they can learn something. <laughs> they could. So, James, that was my adventure to Pukredung. And now you're back. I am back. And it took me like three days to be back on my feet. <laughs> I was really hurting. So, <laughs> you took away some inspiration content-wise. What else did you take away from it? I think I took away the fact that these adventures are not inaccessible. You just have to know how to do them. You have to be able to find them. I've been in Thailand 10 years, and I've never done these kind of things. I've been camping a few times. But I think I've realized that adventure is a lot easier to come by. You just have to start kind of looking for it. And I say that on the podcast all the time. I think that this experience showed me more practically that it's really doable, but that you just have to kind of search and and work at it. It takes the effort but it's not that hard to find adventure like this. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I I think that's a big part of it. The fact that I just got out of town, really got out of my comfort zone. I think that's a major thing, especially the second climb, the the climb where we got detained to the Karst Cliffs, really put me out of my comfort zone. And I think that when you're out of your comfort zone, that's when you can really sort of grow and benefit the most from these kind of experiences. I'm really happy that you did it. I'm sad I wasn't able to go. I know. But I do live quite literally half the world away. One day, pretty soon, we'll be able to have adventures. Yes. I'm hoping we're able to do several episodes like this this year, and hopefully the Mm -hmm. next one is going to be us together, uh, which we need to talk about as well. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, but what a week. I mean, man, talk about real adventure. That really was a real adventure. I mean, that's what I mean, that's what we were saying too, like as we were kind of struggling up those karst cliffs, Carl was like, you know, Mike, you said you wanted a real adventure. So and I was like, you know what? I did. <laughs> you so. go. You <laughs> this was your idea. Remember? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And all those pictures and everything will all be on our blog and make sure to go check out Carl's video when it drops, because that is going to be the best way to experience this along with Michael. I know I will be right there. I already have alerts set for when he posts new videos. Well, we will have links to all of that, of course, in the show notes. So uh, please check it out. And again, yeah, go and give uh, Carl some subscriptions because his content is awesome and it definitely deserves it. It is really good. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Again, make sure to check out our website for pictures from his adventure and make sure to check out Carl's YouTube channel. And you want to give that a shout out again? Yeah, that is Carl's Thailand. So if you just search Carl's Thailand on YouTube, you'll find it there. Yeah, definitely check it out. Great content. Please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast if you like what you hear. We're available everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if you do like it, please leave a review. Leaving reviews helps us spread the podcast more. It helps us reach more people. And it's just, it's nice. It lets us know that we're doing a good job or not a good job. Hmm. We've had some really nice reviews. Somebody described us as, um, what did they say, friendly and consistent or something like that? <laughs> I like that. Good. Someone what described us as... I forget what the terminology was, like posit- an example of positive or non-toxic male friendship. Yeah, I thought that was nice, too. <laughs> like, oh. That is, is that us? Yeah, I guess so. That's my goal in life. So, yeah, please leave us reviews. We love the ego boost. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Please don't leave bad reviews. I don't know if I can handle it. We're sensitive. Anyway, you can find more Attempt Adventure content on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Those last two, we're working on. Hang with us. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep adventuring.